0: Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome to Locked Up, The Life of an American Dog. I'm Tim Ray, the creator and host. Welcome back. If, uh, if this is not your first time listening, thank you for continuing to listen and follow and share. Uh, if this is your first time, welcome. Go back and listen to uh, the, the previous episodes so you can find out what this podcast is about and what it's not about. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I, I'm late on getting it out. day. I was supposed to drop on Wednesday. That was my plan. And a couple reasons that I did not get it out on time. First, the topic this week that I plan on talking about requires me to share a lot about myself and to be pretty vulnerable. Second reason is doing this podcast is not fun for me. I This is way out of my comfort zone. It's not something I enjoy. Um, So there's that. So I I reluctantly do this every week. Uh, it's challenging myself be, to grow and to become uh, become better in in my craft and better get information out there but because I do have a unique perspective. I am good at helping people. I had a I had a compliment last Saturday from a a client, and he said uh, he looks at me and after working with him. Uh, for about five minutes and he stops me and he says, he looks at me and the eyes, a little bit older gentleman, he says, we've been working with trainers, dog trainers for over 30 years, different dogs over 30 years. And he kind of paused and I didn't know where he was going with it. So then I just said, okay, that's a long time. And he said, I have learned more in five minutes from you than from any of those trainers in 30 years. Yeah, that makes me feel good. That's a that's a huge compliment. Uh, huge. Uh, so I know that I have a unique perspective. I know I have a, a great ability to help and, and teach. Uh, but talking into a microphone into a video camera. It's just it's way out of my comfort zone. Uh, so what I'm going to do because I am comfortable with writing. Uh, I'm going to read some pages out of my uh, book that I am writing. These are unedited pages. The topic is dignity. There's been uh, a few people that have requested me to talk about dignity. They find it intriguing. They wanna know what my perspective is. So, I'm just gonna jump into it because right now that's my capacity. I might uh, add more at the end, but right now I'm comfortable just reading and it's still good information. This is some writing that I did during my uh, time in federal prison, so, Let's get on with it. On dignity, I have long been an advocate for my dogs when going to the vet. I've not come across too many dogs who seem excited or happy about the exam, the poking, prodding, palpating, and a stick with a needle. Not exactly an enjoyable experience. All the while, we as humans are restraining and handling the dog with great emotional upset that our dog feels. I have long been aware of this situation and done my best to slow down, maintain my calm and confident inner state of being, and communicate to the vet and staff my wishes. I understand they have a job to do, so I balance that understanding with my own responsibility for my dog. So let me just touch on that, I'll put a pause. You guys, at the end of the day, if you're uncomfortable, you know your dog's uncomfortable, and if you're uncomfortable with how somebody is handling your dog, you have a responsibility and a right to let them know. For some reason in this country, if a doctor does things to us or says we must do something, rarely uh, do we question it. Uh, We just go along because, well, they're a doctor. Uh, No. Advocate for your dog. You can ask the vet to slow down. And if he doesn't want to or she doesn't want to because they're so busy and they have a full schedule, then come back. It's not the day or find another vet. But you have a responsibility and a right to say, hey, my dog's uncomfortable, can we just take a pause? Okay, back to it. Our dogs are always exposed to the world and susceptible to examination by the vet and by us. We often feel around for bumps and bugs and look at paws for cuts or thorns. We look in ears and mouths and the nether regions, also known as the undercarriage. I know people who will smell down there on a dog if they suspect something is not right. And by down there, I mean their undercarriage. This is part of life as a dog in a human world. Most of the time, the dog accepts all of this examination and shakes it off before going back to everyday activities. How often, though, do we as humans take a moment to feel the situation from our dog's perspective? How often do we consider, nay, respect the dignity of our dog? in my experience i would say very seldom i know i was not always aware and often would simply get the job done especially with grooming tasks such as nails and ear cleaning i have since learned that getting the job done may be okay for the vet if needed but it is not creating a better more cooperative relationship with me and my dog the question of dignity was never more salient in my mind when i was arrested for the first time in my life in january 2019 so i'll press pause here again Um, i would argue that we don't ever consider our dog's dignity you guys dogs are uh emotional sentient beings they they have a high level of cognition and they feel emotions these are these are facts that are being proven uh so we, we rarely consider our dog's dignity. I would even argue that we rarely consider our own dignity until we start to feel it uh, stripped away from us. And even then, we're not even sure what we're feeling because it doesn't happen. And we, how often do we consider our fellow human beings dignity? So back to it. Stepping off the plane from a short vacation in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico, I went from freedom to incarceration in seconds. As I was marched, handcuffed by several federal and local law enforcement officers through the terminal and into the back rooms, it dawned on me how dogs might possibly feel when we take them on leash into or through situations that are new or different, and we simply expect them to not only be okay, but to be happily social with everyone and everything. Would our dog choose to go with us or would they avoid the situation? I know I would have not chosen to be paraded through Phoenix Sky Harbor at 6.30 p.m. that day. At that point, I had to surrender my dignity to the situation. After many hours of processing at the county jail and sleeping in a small 12 by 12 cell on the concrete amongst a vast array of people, you guys, it was a 12 by 12 holding tank and there was probably at least 15 guys in there Not much dignity involved in that. Uh, Some quiet, some hostile, some old, some young, some intoxicated, some sober. I was taken to see a judge. I was officially now a number on the docket. I was no longer a person, but a crime. Standing in front of the judge and prosecution, in handcuffs, to be examined and taken away. I had little dignity at this point, and it was about to all go away. At this point, I had been pat down, much like we are uh, at the airport, about six or seven times. I imagine this was how my dogs felt when the nice vet tech came in with the treats. My dog never ate the treats, by the way. They were too stressed to eat. Emotion overriding instinctual pressure. You guys, if your dog refuses a treat, especially at the vet, they don't trust the situation. They are, their anxiety and fears are overriding, their, their instinct to eat. Uh, some humans, when we have extreme anxiety or fear, some humans won't eat. I'm one of those. Uh, I, I shut down. I lose my appetite. There's been times in my life too where I binge. I overeat. Uh, so pay attention to that when you're at the vet. There's a reason. And, and to try to force that treat and is not helpful. We need to take a step back and slow down. Okay, back to it. As the guards uh, prepared leg chains and handcuffs by hanging them outside the cell in the courthouse basement, one guard comes in and tells the eight of us in the cell to take everything off. This was my first time experiencing being stripped out. It is not only a stripping of clothes, but also of any dignity left. We all strip, standing side by side, and hand over our clothes to be inspected. We are then told to open our mouths, lift our tongues, pull back our cheeks, and flip our ears. Then it's on to lifting up our genitals and turn around and squat and cough after showing the bottoms of our feet. At this point, we are instructed to get dressed. The prevailing thoughts were of dogs at the vet, exposed, restrained, trapped, examined, uncertain, confused, afraid, and just doing their best just to make it through. I understand that the guards are just doing their job and likely took no enjoyment out of the task, just as I am sure no veterinary professional takes joy in examining a dog, especially when that dog is anxious or fearful. It's just the system in place, right? I propose a better way. A way that can bring our dogs and ourselves closer in cooperation and learning and trust. A way that respects and maintains the dignity of our dog, ourselves, and of the vet. Of course, this requires effort and desire, or drive, if you will. On that note, you guys, I'll I'll pause real quick. I, I don't imagine that there's a vet out there that would say no or be upset if you said you wanna slow down and you want to help your dog uh, feel more comfortable with this process. And I'm gonna go into what that looks like, but I've never run into a vet that has has said that, that no, you can't bring your dog here unless you have an appointment just to sit in the lobby. No, if we explain to the vet, "I'm, I'm trying to help my dog be more comfortable in this situation so that when we come for our yearly exam, Uh, it goes a little bit better for him and for you. Vets get bit a lot. uh, And and so if a dog is more comfortable, that vet's job is going to be that much easier. Back to it. The first step is awareness and acceptance of the situation from our dog's perspective, not from our perspective, not from the vet's perspective. What is our dog's perspective? Uh, I'm a little ad libbing right here. So, uh, Temple Grandin wrote, uh, she's on the autistic spectrum. Uh, she wrote a book. Uh, she's written several books actually, but she's noted for working in the cattle industry uh, to better handle cattle. And she, what she did was actually put herself in a chute to experience what that animal is experiencing. And she helped redesign uh, the cattle shoots, uh, that cattle go in to, to get vaccinated and examined. She put herself in the chute to see what they're experiencing. That's amazing. That is unique. That is uh, empathetic on another level. That is literally putting herself in the shoes of an animal. We need to do that with our dogs. So, We must acknowledge that there are many times we put our dogs in situations that not only makes them feel uncomfortable, but also strips away their dignity. We must ask ourselves, how would we feel in their situation? How would we feel in their situation? How would we feel getting stripped out, poked, prodded, have to turn around, cough? How do we feel when we we get patted down at the airport? How do we feel when TSA goes through our luggage at the airport? We feel a little, most people feel a little violated if you think about it, it's not 100% comfortable. Next, we can begin to advocate for and empower our dog through our leadership and guidance. We may start by making an appointment, in quotes, for the vet and simply driving to the office and walking our dog in the parking lot or surrounding area. Not going in, not having an appointment, but we're going there, we're going through the process. We know that an exam must be done. We can help the experience feel more positive and less uncertain for our dogs and for ourselves. That's crucial. When we know our dog's uncomfortable, we're already leaving the house uncomfortable when, that, when we know that appointment's on the schedule for 9 a.m. on Thursday. And we're uncomfortable and our dog starts to be uncomfortable when we leave the house. It's not getting any better by the time we get there. Not at all. So if we can also start to feel more comfortable, through this process of practicing going to the vet and slowing things down and being a leader, now our dog's gonna feel that much better about the situation. After several trips to the office for walks or a game of tug or fetch, we can, or just sitting outside eating lunch. If it's in a strip mall, sit outside on a bench, sit in your car, listen to the radio. So after all that, we can talk with the vet about what we are doing. Ask if it would be okay to bring our dog into the office without an appointment to create a calmer, more positive association with the office. Bring our dog in and let, without an appointment, we're not stressed, we know we're just bringing the dog in to say hi to the staff. And then we're just maybe gonna sit there for 10, 15 minutes and then leave on a positive note. The vet can come out and say hi and or, or not. If our dog's nervous, he doesn't need to say hi. We'd still hold true to our dog. If our dog's nervous, we don't want the vet approaching. Let our dog come to him or her. The, the office staff, the desk staff, the vet techs, if our dog wants to go say hi, we let him say hi. We don't, we don't force the people there on, on our dog, but if our dog's curious, go ahead. Otherwise, we can just sit there calmly, and that's positive enough. Uh, even if we go in and sit down, share some affection with our dog and watch other people before we leave, that is going to create a better relationship with our dog and ourselves and synergize us with the sights, smells, sounds, and energy of the vet office. Remember that if we, or we, our dog plus ourselves, are tense, anxious, worried, afraid, or any other emotion on the negative spectrum, when we are preparing to go somewhere, that is the focal point of those emotions. As we get closer, the emotions intensify. The longer the emotions have to move around inside of us and intensify the more long-lasting damage is caused this is where bad memories and associations happen if we can create happiness and or calmness all the way to the point the vet tech comes in we are being the advocate and leader our dogs need us to be we are understanding and creating a cooperative relationship with our dog that will give us both and the vet or groomer the freedom to be as we want to be. The freedom to be as we want to be. Simultaneous to trips to the vet for exercise, play, or exploration, we can do things at home to educate our dog and ourselves. We can teach our dog how to be handled and examined in a trusting state of mind. We can learn ourselves what our dog's sensitivities are and where our dog feels its dignity is being stripped away. Listen, if we, are handling our dog and and they tense up or they move away or dip their head or pull their paw they're not comfortable so we can change that we can can condition them and teach them that it's it's okay but we may need to slow that process down all of us have experienced uh unfortunately being in an uncomfortable situation i've been Touched or hugged by people, and it tenses me up because it's not comfortable. Either their energy is 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 off, or I didn't want them to touch me. Uh, whatever the case is, and I, and we all, when we're touched and we don't want to, or maybe that handshake goes on too long, or someone touches our shoulder and we don't know them, we tense up. It doesn't feel comfortable. So we know we but we know and we're aware of it, but sometimes we keep on pushing through with our dogs and we're completely disrespecting and disregarding what they're telling us. In, in these moments and situations, we can slow down, empathize, and attune ourselves even more with our dog. Some may say this is all counterconditioning, or even flooding or incremental desensitization. On the surface, one might agree. To see what I am talking about in action must be felt and seen. At home, we can work through and teach the nail trimming event by beginning with the ideal image and feeling what we want. We have to have an image in our mind, you guys. If we have the image in our mind and the feeling in our mind, uh, how the situation feels, how it looks, how it sounds, how it smells, all of those things, and we fix that image in our mind, we're that much closer to getting it. But if we have this image in our mind of, oh, this is gonna be a battle, uh, he doesn't like when I do this, he growls or he pulls his paw or he runs away, <sighs> just it's stressful, that's the image that we have in our mind and we are definitely going to get that. We need to have the image in our mind what we want, not the image that we don't want or that we're afraid of. That's being a leader, that's having a plan, to start with that picture, and then we can work through steps to achieve that picture. We must know what we want in order to achieve it. If we are unsure or afraid, our dogs will feel the same. That means they don't trust us. You're uncertain, I'm uncertain. I don't trust anything that's going on here. If we feel that nail clipping is scary or painful or a burden, our dogs will feel that from us as negative emotion suspend expectation of time so again you're going to hear me talk about time a lot on these podcasts Uh, time is time is the most important thing to human beings period Uh, i'm just going to say it like that it is not important to dogs so right away we have a fundamental uh, difference and that causes a lot of miscommunication and a lot of frustration Tune into your dog and feel through the process of nail clipping. Maybe the first time no nails are clipped. Maybe all that is done is cuddle time on the couch with the clippers nearby. By nearby, they could be on the table. That could be enough pressure and enough uh, proximity to cause a little anxiety in your dog. Not making a big deal, they're on the table. And then maybe next time they sit on the couch. Depending on the level of resistance you and your dog share, to this task, that may be progress, and the best place to begin is just sitting on the couch with your dog with the nail clippers visible. Nah, you're not even touching them. Only you know, and you know by feeling, what your dog is feeling. You know your dog better than anybody if you listen, and if you pay attention, and if you can calm your own fears and anxiety. This must be delicately balanced with being your dog's guide through uncertain and scary situations. So there's a balance between feeling for our dog and also being the leader and sometimes we we need to march through. This is a little hurdle. Maybe it's a bigger hurdle, but we're gonna get through it together, together. Every situation that you and your dog encounter that is uncertain or scary is an opportunity for you to create a stronger relationship where cooperation is increased, trust is forged, and freedom is increased. So that's my that's my writings. Uh, some of my writings on dignity. That's uh, kind of uh, part one on dignity. I have much more, but I hope that was helpful. Uh, I know I interweave some 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 things in there, some commentary. You guys, at the end of the day, consider your dog's dignity. Be your adv- Be their advocate. Um, take your time with the vet. Take your time with with grooming. You guys, our dogs, even if they're uh, even if they're quote old, twelve years old, if you take your time, you're helping your dog grow. You're you're teaching your dog. You're you're reaching your dog by putting yourself in your dog's uh, position and, and perspective and empathizing with them. You are reaching your dog, and we must reach our dogs before we teach our dogs. Think about times we've been tried, uh, people have tried to teach us something. If someone doesn't, I've had, we've all had many teachers, we've gone through school. I had teachers that I, that were able to teach me because on some level they reached me. Uh, Had a lot of good teachers that I I learned things from but they, they don't stick in my memory, you know, which means what they taught me probably didn't stick in my memory much either. So reach your dog before you teach them, slow down, develop trust, um, take trips to the vet, go every day, throw them in the car and just drive to the parking lot, sit there, listen to the radio for five minutes and go home. Like it's no big deal. How many times, how often have we done that? But no, we go once a year to the vet, you guys, and expect our dog to be comfortable with all these strangers. And let alone, it's not just strangers. These strangers are in their face, touching them, poking them, prodding them, talking to them, talking to them. Oh my gosh, like talking to them alone. Like, I don't know you, why are you talking to me? And everybody's got a little bit of nerves. And so the dog picks up on that. And, and now they're gonna uh, stick them with a needle and put something in their butt. Uh, you know, all dignity has gone. These things need to be done. What I'm proposing and my perspective based on uh, my experience with dogs and my personal experience of having all my dignity stripped uh, going through incarceration in federal prison uh, is slow down. Slow down. This has been uh, episode three of Locked Up, The Life of an American Dog. Stay tuned next week. We'll probably talk about time unless I have some request for something else. Um, follow, subscribe, like, share the podcast if you find it valuable. Uh, I welcome any feedback. Just trying to make this uh, more beneficial. Thank you for listening and for allowing me to be vulnerable and share my story. Have a great week, everyone. Create the relationship you want with your dogs. Communication, education, cooperation. Peace.